Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Drags. It's Wednesday, September 25th. Time for episode 317 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com, and as always, follow us on Twitter, at Patriots CLNS. This week, I welcome back old colleague and friend and CLNS Patriot expert and lead columnist, Evan Lazar. Evan, I haven't had you on, I don't think, since the preseason. I know. A lot has changed in that time. We've gone through quite a few iterations of this Patriots team, it feels like, almost uh, since then. Getting real quick to this week's opponent, the Buffalo Bills, right out of the chute. Their defense is legit, right? But I just don't believe in, in Josh Allen's ability to move the ball against the Patriots and score against this Patriot defense, at least the way the defense has played in the first three weeks. Yeah, I think that that's really Josh Allen and what he can do moving forward in his entire career, just from a big picture standpoint, is going to make or break whether this Bills rebuild is going to work. You know, and, and they can obviously reset at the quarterback position at some point if they have to, but you waste a top 10 pick on a quarterback. You really are hoping that he's going to be the guy for the long term. So, you know, in terms of this week and in terms of the next, you know, five to 10 years in the division, the Bills have put together a pretty decent team here. They have a lot of pieces, some of them young on both sides of the ball. They've reworked their offensive line. They added John Brown and Cole Beasley to the receiving corps. They added Dawson Knox, who's a nice tight end option, a good athlete and can stretch the field. And they obviously have that defense. So they have the pieces around Josh Allen. It's just going to be a matter of if Josh Allen can elevate his game enough to make them competitive. Dawson Knox is somebody I think uh, the casual Patriot fan should get to know because of the way he trucked the Bengals. Uh, last weekend, and I tweeted out this video on Tuesday uh, from the actual Buffalo Bills account. It was a just it looked like Rob Gronkowski in a, a Buffalo Bills uniform. Yeah, he's a he's a a good yards after the catch guy. He's a big guy. He's very athletic. He was uh, a 64 percentile spark athlete, I believe it was, uh, coming out of Mississippi. So he he can run. He runs in the, the high uh, the low four sixes at. 255 pounds so that that guy can move he's a big target his college numbers if I remember correctly weren't the best he's kind of a lot of these tight ends and you know at Ole Miss he had a lot of 
weapons around him. You know, he had uh, a lot of receivers, A.J. Brown, for instance, and, and a lot of other good NFL caliber receivers. So the ball was going to other targets. But a lot of these tight ends, the college game, they don't utilize the tight end in the college game as a receiver like the NFL game does. At least not all offenses in college do. Some do, but most don't. So a lot of college tight ends are blockers. They're fourth or fifth options in the passing game. And Dawson Knox is one of those guys in the draft that everybody kind of thought bigger role, more targets, that kind of thing. He could be a factor in the passing game when the NFL uses him more as a matchup weapon. Okay, you got to go back and tell me about more about the spark and the average football fan. What does that mean? So spark is a mathematical equation. It's a it's a metric that measures everything that they test at the combine and puts a percentile, a score, on how athletic somebody is. So everything from the 40 to the agility drills to the jumps to the bench press, everything gets factored in, and then it gets adjusted to their size, their height, and their weight. So, for instance, if you're Nikhil Harry, for example, he's, uh, you know, six foot two, six foot three, 225 pounds. Him running in the low four fives, is way more impressive than a six foot receiver that's 190 pounds right. running in the low four or fives. So the metric adjusts for that. So Nikhil was a great spark athlete, even though he didn't go to the combine and run a four three. DK Metcalf. DK was a decent spark athlete because of his size speed combination, right? You know, you run that fast at that weight and that height, it's going to be impressive he actually yeah he was a really good spark athlete looking it up now he's a 99th percentile spark athlete so the only thing that he had knocking against him were obviously that that three cone and that agility score but he was so off the charts in the 40 and the burst scores which are the jumps and uh and all the other kind of things that go into the metric that he was off the charts you know it's interesting and i'm we're sticking on the buffalo tight ends because it fascinates me. They have Tyler Croft, uh, the free agent from Cincinnati, Lee Smith from – oh, he was a, uh, a street free agent uh, this year, um, Dawson Knox, and Boston College's Tommy Sweeney. So yeah. th- they put a lot of emphasis in the tight end position, and I'm just wondering whether or not that's because that they felt like, you know, Sean McDermott thought that that would be a way of helping out Josh Allen. Absolutely. I think it's exactly what it is. First of all, as we know here in New England, throwing to tight ends when you have a good pass catching tight end is extremely efficient because you're going to get matchups in the middle of the field. Those are easier passes to complete. And they're also passes that are going to be coming a lot against linebackers and safeties versus cornerbacks. So it's always a good thing to get a pass catching tight end in any NFL offense because of those reasons. And it's just an easier throw that you have the whole catch radius angle of it too. And the ability to go up and get uh, these big frames at six foot four. Some of these guys are even bigger than that. So you have that element of it. This Bills team has really reworked their entire roster from the, in the last two seasons, really, uh, with, with uh, Brandon Bean and, and Sean uh, McDermott. And they've really they reworked their entire offensive line. They've added to their defense. Like I said, this is a really good team, and really the only thing that could hold them back is quarterback. Well, we speak of Boston College. Their defense has been terrific the first three weeks of the year. And one of their linebackers, Matt Milano, is another BC product. 
Yeah, and last year, I, I know that the Patriots ran all over them at the end of last year in Foxborough, but that game up in Buffalo last year was a grind fest. I mean, that getting yards in that game for both teams was really difficult, and the Patriots had a lot of trouble, especially punching the ball in in the red zone. Once they got in to that, you know, within the 30 yards of the, t- of the end zone, 20 yards of the end zone, obviously being the red zone, they were struggling to really score touchdowns. They got a bunch of field goals in that game. They ended up winning it, and Devin McCourty's pick six at the end kind That's of sealed right. it. Yep. But it was a it was a grind offensively. Now this Bills defense has talent at all three levels of their defense. Ed Oliver is obviously one of the better rookies in the class. Jerry Hughes, Lorenzo Alexander rushing the passer. You go to the off-ball linebackers, and you got Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, who are both really good players. You go to the secondary, that's where you got Trey White and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. This defense has a lot of depth. It has a lot of players at every single level of the defense. This is going to be one of the better defenses the Patriots face all year. Trey White, he's excellent. You know, he's one of those corners, too. I think that more so maybe than, than Gilmore, people just don't even throw at Trey White. They just don't even bother. They really attack Levi Wallace, who's their other outside corner, who is really actually had a pretty good start to his career. He's an Alabama guy who was an undrafted rookie last year, and him and J.C. Jackson were kind of like the hidden gems of the cornerback class a year ago, and he gets attacked a lot. He gets thrown out a ton because teams just don't want to even mess with Tredavious White. Speaking with Evan Lazar covering the Patriots for CLNS. Football season is back, and now you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and make your bets on your favorite professional or college team. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Will Pat Mahomes throw for 56 touchdowns? Can the Patriots go Undefeated. Bet on all of this with the fastest odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today. And again, use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Get into all the action today with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back with Evan Lazar covering the Patriots and the NFL. We should uh, throw in there for CLNS Media. All right, what about James Devlin? How are the Patriots going to go about fixing their run game? Yeah, you know, it's just going to look different. And I think that the biggest way that they can go about fixing it in in terms of looking forward is probably going to be to spread the field and try to get some more sub rushes. That's what Rex Burkhead has had success with, really. And it's really a different ball game, right? When you put Sony in the game and you put Brady under center and right. you go heavy with a tight end and a fullback or, or whatever the case may be, teams are loading up to stop the run and they're playing. It's not necessarily heavier boxes in terms of man, you know, count. But it's heavier boxes in terms of the fronts that they're running. So they're running fronts with more linebackers on the field in their base defense. Or they're running four down linemen instead of three down linemen, which is a difference. Or sometimes even the Jets had two down linemen in the game when Rex Burkhead was in the game. So those are lighter boxes, just mass-wise, not necessarily box count-wise. And they're easier to run. It's a different – you can't compare – 
Rex Burkhead's yards per carry to Sony's because they're running against different defenses, you know, and I think the way that they're going to have to go moving forward is kind of like what we saw, you know, in 2011, 2010, 2012, when it was always Danny Woodhead with Brady in the shotgun and he would just hand them off to Woodhead with those draws and other types of shotgun runs. And that was kind of a supplement to what they were doing in the passing game. And that's probably what I think it's, going to look like moving forward this is going to be a wide receiver centric team they're just not going to be 21 personnel which over the last four years they've run more 21 personnel than any other team in the league which is the fullback and a tight end on the field with two receivers they are the leader in 21 personnel over the last four seasons so this isn't just last year it's a it's a long kind of sample size or a large sample size here and they're just not going to be able to run that personnel grouping as often as they used to, at least with the fullback on the field. Unless Jakob Johnson just shocks everybody and, and really starts to grasp things a little bit quicker, and he's very raw right now, so he's got a little bit of ways to go before he can be a huge factor. But the fullback offers a lot of kind of schematic advantages for the offense, and it's all about building surfaces, right? You know, to the left of center, to the right of center. If you have two guys to the left of center and you want to run left, if you want to make it a three-man surface, then you got to pull a guard from the backside or you got to move the tight end across the formation. With the fullback, he can go either direction, and you can really build those surfaces a little bit quicker and a little bit more direct path to the spot that you're trying to hit. So that's the biggest difference that you have to have schematically without a fullback, and that's why a lot of coaches like Josh McDaniels like to use a fullback. You liked my question to Bill Belichick on Tuesday about the H-back? I think the guy that you're looking forward to be the H-back is Nikhil Harry. I think really? if you bring back Nikhil Harry later in the season, you have him in like more of an H-back or what's called a joker in a lot of college offenses, which is basically a move tight end. Right? A flex, it's a right. Catching, yeah, it's a flex player. It's a pass-catching tight end. You can line him up in different spots. It's the Aaron Hernandez role. You know, that that's what Hernandez was like. I think that if you throw Nikhil out on the boundary a lot and just have him run routes like he's Josh Gordon, I think he's going to have trouble separating. So if you can move him around a little bit and use him in more of like a joker and H-back role and get him some favorable matchups and get him some good angles coming out of the backfield or coming from inside to the formation, I, I think that you can get creative with him that way. And he's great with the ball in his hands too. So I, I think that there's a lot of really cool things that could do with him that in that vein. By the way, anybody who hasn't read it should read uh, Evan's film breakdown uh, with the audio, I might add. That was sensational on Tuesday, clearly showing um, against the Jets, even though it was a, a cakewalk of a win, showing the lack of push the offensive line is getting uh, in trying to get to the next level, and Sony had nowhere else to go. I, I thought you broke that down perfectly. You, sh- you showed how the Jets' safety was able to uh, cheat in and fill the B-gap, and a big reason why uh, the Patriots haven't really been able to spring big runs this year is because they're really, they haven't been able to break open any gaps in the middle of that line. Yeah, I think that it's, the problem right now that I see is twofold. I think the biggest thing that's holding them back right now is a lack of speed or just overall athleticism out of their starting five on the offensive line and the tight ends. Ryan Izzo's had a really rough 
three weeks to start his his Patriots career, to be honest. I thought that he was going to be a a bigger factor in the preseason, what we saw in training camp, what we saw in the preseason. He's just a little bit undersized. Yeah, I was going to say, to me, not to cut you off there, uh, Evan, but he looks like a receiving tight end to me, like like the other side of Rob Gronkowski. He provides... Pass receiving, and sure he can chip like he did on that great 41 yard play action, uh, reception, uh, in the first quarter against the Jets, but he doesn't have the big body to like do what I think, engage, uh, you know, those linebackers or a big safety, but it's specifically the linebackers the way Gronk was able to. No, it's really, I think that the, the issues that they're having up front are first of all, the offensive line, they, the Patriots like to run that outside sweep. They like to get outside, run outside zone, and get out on the perimeter. It's a play that worked really well for them last year. And right now, the line is just too slow to do that. And it's just the moving pieces just aren't there. And then you combine that with the fact that Izzo and whoever is playing tight end, Lacoste was a little bit better. He had a few good blocks when he was out there in week two. But with Izzo, he's just not a people mover, and he's just kind of getting bullied a little bit by some of these bigger, stronger NFL guys. And that is letting itself to making it very difficult for the Patriots to get the edge on some of those outside runs. And then really, I, I think that in the middle of the defense or middle of the offensive line, there's some continuity issues there too. But a big part of what they want to do, the Patriots is they ask their offensive line, and this is why they have really athletic guards in Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney, is they ask their offensive line to make a lot of blocks on the move. They want guys to chip and climb and get to the second level. They want guys to get straight to the second level. They want to get outside and get into the alley. They want to do all those kinds of things. And in order to do that, you got to have offensive linemen that can run. Now they have three-fifths of their line is still the same, and I don't want to blame it all on Karras and Marshall Newhouse, but those guys, compared to Andrews and Trent Brown, for example, are their athleticism just isn't the same. And then you factor in the Gronkowski thing also, and the drop-off, they didn't just go... Gronk might be the best blocking tight end of all time, and they went to below replacement level right now. It's not They're not even getting like average blocking from their tight ends. They're getting below that. So that's really killed them as well. So as much as you, you know, I broke down in the, in the audio breakdown, there's a couple of runs a game that of Sony's where you say, you know, he could have made that guy miss, you know, there, there's a little bit of space there onto the outside. And if he had a little bit more wiggle and he had a little bit more patience, he might be able to make that guy miss and get into the open field. But really it's a lot of it is getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage. Well, you know who that is, who can do that. That's Rex Burkhead. And, and what's interesting to me about Burkhead, Evan, speaking with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media, is that Burkhead is not it strikes me now, as he plays more and more, he's not in there as a pass-run decoy. He's in there as a inside-outside-run decoy. He's, you know, he's he can run the ball, but is he going to go inside between the tackles or run like that uh, sweep motion or getting outside that the Patriots like to do? That's what that's the the threat uh, of his diversity, I think, as a running back. Yeah, I think that there he's just a more versatile player than Sony in pretty much every way. You know, he can catch the ball, he can also run a little bit 
more freely inside outside. I think right now the Patriots are experimenting a lot up front. They've run some different blocking schemes than I saw last year. They're running a lot of split zone, which is more of like a college look, and they're they're trying to they're trying new things and trying to figure out with this iteration and with this makeshift offensive line what they're able to get done, what they're able to block, and what schemes are going to be kind of their go-to schemes moving forward because they're not going to be – it's not going to be fullback ISO. It's not going to be lead ISO with, De- with Devlin anymore. And a lot of their outside plays aren't working, aren't hitting well because they're not getting out in, in front of them enough. So it's really kind of an experimentation right now for the Patriots. And last year I remember talking to a lot of the offensive linemen and them saying it really wasn't until that Thursday night game against the Colts that they felt like they were in sync with their run blocking. And I think that run blocking in a lot of ways, because it's a moving kind of dance where all five or six or seven guys, depending on the scheme, need to be moving at the same kind of pace in the same way and all the beats need to kind of connect. It's something that you do need to rep. You know, it's not, I think pass protection is something that is a more of an innate skill to a lot of offensive linemen, whereas run blocking is more of a a team effort and you have to have that kind of continuity up front to be able to hit all the beats at the right, at the right time. All right. On the defense, uh, how about your mea culpa with Jamie Collins? Well, well done, Evan. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you know, listen, every once in a while you got to admit that you're wrong in this business. And uh, I was definitely wrong about Jamie, and I think the biggest thing that I just didn't see coming, and I don't know if anybody could have seen it coming, was just how much information he's been able to absorb and how many different roles within the defense he's been able to learn this time around. Because last time around, the mental side of the game was definitely his weakness, and now it seems like a strength. Which I, I don't. Whatever he did in Cleveland, obviously he didn't play very well with the Browns. But whatever he learned and the maturity and the growth that he went through as a player is obviously paying dividends right now. You know where a lot of that I think has come from. Gerard Mayo. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I think. Yeah. I think Gerard Mayo has played a huge role in his ability not only to mature uh, on the field and, you know, like you said, uh, come up with uh, different ways of looking at offenses um, while he's on the field, but off the field as well. I think the two of them have really uh, worked together in tandem incredibly well. And Gerard Mayo on Tuesday during the team's conference calls, uh, he was asked about Jamie Collins. Has he changed at all as a player since, uh, remember, Jamie Collins played with uh, a Gerard Mayo played with Jamie Collins and sure. you know he he mentioned that yeah the the play in the run game uh has been great up to up until this point and I think that's kind of a uh, an indirect acknowledgement that yeah Jamie had to improve the way he plays the run game and he certainly has in the first 3 weeks Yeah it's been pretty incredible to watch how quickly he's diagnosed what the offense is trying to do and how quickly what I call click and close. So you click into what they're trying to do. You understand what the blocking scheme is and where the point of attack is. And you the closing speed to then make a play on the ball. And I think what the Patriots are also allowing him to do a little bit more. He said after the game on Sunday that the other 10 guys on the field make his job a whole lot easier. And when he's, he kept on repeating it. And I thought at the time that he was saying it just to give us something to write, you know, just to, just so that he could say something because he didn't want to really talk. 
But when I thought about it some more, I realized what he was saying was that the Patriots have kind of taken the training wheels off and allowed him to just be who he is and let the other 10 guys worry about everything else. Yep. And so some of that freelancing that we saw the first time around is now they're now kind of allowing it because they're making sure that it's within the framework and within the structure of the defense. And so that way he can make those splash plays that he's making, like the tackles for loss and the sacks and the plays in coverage. And all those kinds of things are because they're letting him kind of just, he's playing like a rover position almost right now in the Patriots defense where sometimes he can be on the edge. Sometimes he's going to be off the ball linebacker. Sometimes he's actually playing what's like a halfway role and a halfway player, like a, a slot nickel and he's playing that in the base defense, which is really very interesting because the Patriots are in base and they got Jamie Collins lined up over the slot receiver of the opposing team and they can stop the run out of that formation, but they are out of that grouping, but they can also stop the pass because he's so athletic. And then there's also times where he will add into the rush. So that's when you get into the equation of having like John Jones playing safety or it was actually a little bit of Jason McCourty on Sunday because those guys can then come down and play corner on the slot. And then it leads Jamie kind of opened up to rush the passer and blitz and do all that kind of stuff. Well, it's interesting you say that because Gerard Mayo, I thought his best quote uh, and his most telling quote on Jamie Collins on Tuesday was this, his first stint here, he was more in the bubble and now he's more on the edge in early downs, uh, supporting exactly what you were just saying. Yeah, so he, he's really played more on the line of scrimmage, but I love the halfway role that they're using him. It's, it's a college kind of concept where you put a really athletic linebacker in that slot defender role and as on the strong side of the formation. So that way you can stop the run out of it. And in college, usually those athletic linebackers are fast enough that they can keep up with the slot receivers anyhow, especially other college teams that have slot receivers that aren't going to make the NFL. What makes Jamie Collins so rare is that he can keep up with slot receivers that are in the NFL. So he's out there over Braxton Berrios and he has no problems, you know, keeping up with Berrios when he does drop into coverage. Now, usually when they drop him into coverage from that spot, he's playing what's called a hook zone. So he's playing like an underneath, you know, five to eight yard zone kind of drop. But at the same time, he's just done an excellent job and they have him in coverage. They have him rushing the passer. They have him defending the run both on the line of scrimmage and off the line of scrimmage. He actually played three snaps at free safety in the first two weeks of the season also. That's and unreal the, to me. And he's playing in the kicking game. So he's doing everything. And the fact that he's able to absorb all that information and do all of this is just shocking to me based off of all the things that we heard about him the first time around. Well, which also uh, points to why Bill Belichick wanted to go out and bring him back. And the fact that he's back on a one-year deal for, what is it, $2 million bucks? It's not very yeah. much. Yeah, it's, I think it's $2 million. I mean, Sounds about right. That is the best free agent acquisition in the NFL this offseason, hands down. No? I would think so, but at the same time, I wonder if Jamie Collins would be doing this on any other team. You know, I, I think that what Bill has realized is that instead of trying to fit him into the Patriot do-your-job mantra, they're allowing Jamie Collins to just do his thing, and they know that they have the kind of the structure in the rest of the defense that it's not going to matter that if he does kind of blow a gap or 
get too far upfield or blitz when he's not supposed to or whatever the case may be. They have so many good players around him that they'll cover up for any type of like freelancing that he de- technically does. So you know what that is. Jamie Collins's do your job is let everybody else do their job. Yeah, he's the rover. He's just gonna, he's just gonna make plays. He's chasing the ball and it really, it, it makes the whole defense faster because when you have a player at the second level at linebacker like that, that is just all over the ball all the time and can run sideline to sideline. And this week with Josh Allen, maybe spy Josh Allen a little bit and chase him around. That just makes the entire unit look faster and feel faster. I gotta tell you, he is the most enjoyable player to watch the second time around on, in the first three weeks for the Patriots. I just, it's been a blast watching him just fly around the field. It's been fascinating, yeah. And it's, when you watch it back on tape, it's as good as it looks on game day. It's just, he's just everywhere. It's the, wherever the ball is, is where Jamie Collins is. All right. Well, uh, anything else to add for this weekend, Evan? Uh, you think this will be, um, the Patriots' biggest test uh, of the four, well, obviously it's going to be because it's on the road against a 3-0 and team. Um, but I'm curious, uh, the defense finally gives up a touchdown? Yeah, I'm really curious to see that kind of matchup, the Patriots' defense against Josh Allen, because I'm fascinated to see that Brian Dayball, who's an ex-Patriot assistant, has made this offense for the Bills – Actually, they're not throwing the deep ball as much as you would think with a quarterback like Josh Allen. And they're trying to get more of an intermediate passing game. They've signed Cole Beasley to really be the Edelman of Day Bowl's offense. And they have a Zay Jones. They have these tight ends that they're throwing the ball to and incorporating. And so Josh Allen's average depth of target is actually down from last year pretty significantly. They're throwing a lot more short passes. So I'm curious to see what happens with that and how the Patriots kind of go about defending Josh Allen this time around. Because last time, really, the only thing that they were worried about was him running. They had no concerns whatsoever about him beating them with his arm. It's similar to with Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago when they played Chicago earlier in the year. They were just like, you know, as long as he's not running and as long as he's not getting outside the pocket and then throwing on the run, then we're going to be fine. So let's make him be a pocket quarterback and beat us that way. I assume the Patriots will take a similar approach this time, but the Bills have put a lot of pieces around Josh Allen to allow him to thrive as a pocket quarterback a little bit more because – as you know, Trags, at the end of the day, you got to win from the pocket if you're going to be an NFL quarterback. You know, it's not like a lot, it look all the way down the line. A lot of these guys that improvise, like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, they're as good as they are in the pocket, and that's when the teams win, and that's when the team's successful. I cannot wait to follow your coverage on Sunday from New Era Field in western New York as the Patriots look to go 4-0 and against the uh, also undefeated Buffalo Bills, a pair of 3-0 and teams getting together. Evan Lazar will be there providing all of the CLNS media coverage. Obviously, follow Evan and Sierra and Alex Barth uh, this week as we have all the coverage on CLNSmedia.com Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday leading up to that uh, big game this Sunday in western New York. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our great guest, as always, Evan Lazar. Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, BetOnline.ag. For producer Michael Angie and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, 
This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.